What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, virtual group therapy for everyone affected by Tony Stark's Snap. This is as good as time as any to tell you that parental discretion is advised when listening to After the Snap, I say some real fucked up shit. Hello, 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 and how are you? I'm fine, I'm fine, and I hope that you're fine too. Welcome back to the show. Welcome, welcome back. And if this is your very first time listening to me, welcome to the show. Welcome to the party. For those of you who've been around a while, boy, do we got a loaded episode today. And really, when I say a loaded episode, it is just an awful lot happening in movie news. There's an awful lot of movie news going on right now, and I'm covering a lot of it today. First things first, um, I've talked on the show before about the uh, movie subscription service that uh, AMC has. So I'm a, what they call an A-list member. And with A-list, that's a subscription service. And here uh, in the States, I can pay 20 bucks a month and I can go to see up to three movies per week in any format. So I can go IMAX, uh, 3D, 4D, any of that stuff that they got going on, I can go and see it in any format, any movie, three movies a week. You can repeat movies if you like. So all of that for 20 bucks a month, plus the regular perks that you get with just being a premier Stubbs member. So I am an A-list member. Um, there was a similar service called movie pass and i think movie pass was going for something stupid like nine bucks a month or something something really ridiculous like that and it was something that was not sustainable it was not a good business model to begin with well it's on its last leg movie pass is so if you were a movie pass user and you are looking to trade your subscription amc has a good one And if there are no AMCs, but you do have a Regal near you, Regal is expected to unveil their new subscription service in the very near future. And it is said, it's rumored, to be set up in tiers. So you could potentially get their lowest tier, which says that you wouldn't be able to see a movie as soon as it comes out. You would have to wait probably something like two weeks to see the the first run movies. You wouldn't be able to see it opening day using your regal lowest tier and then the tiers go up from them from there and uh to eventually an unlimited one i believe it's supposed to be three tiers and it is supposed to cap off at something like 25 bucks a month but of course all of this is speculated as far as the price and the names of the tiers that sort of thing because uh, it has not been released just yet but it's coming So those are two options for people who uh, want to continue on in a subscription service for movies and were let down by this uh, whole movie pass thing. Let's jump into some uh, 
to, let's see, where are we going to go first? First, we'll go with Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. Spider-Man Far From Home and its first, the sixth day total for Spider-Man Far From Home was $185 million. The proper three-day weekend was only $93 million. So there are those people who are confusedly thinking that, oh, that's unsuccessful. It was only $93 million opening. No, because you have to remember that the movie opened on, on a Monday. So in the first six days, I think $185 million. That means in, in those first three days, it made a whole nother $90 million. You get you know what I'm saying? So $90 million on a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, it made another $90 million. So I think that's pretty good. $185 million is pretty darn good for that six day. Worldwide, Spider-Man Far From Home made $500 million in that same window. So it's at a half a billion already. And that means to me, that I was correct this this will nine times out of ten be the first Spider-Man movie to cross a billion dollars and uh it is quite deserving of that now I'm gonna still be a little bit courteous of the audience and of those who still have not seen that movie I'm gonna wait one more week before I just start throwing huge spoilers out there because there are certain twists uh, and plot points in this movie that we do not want to spoil for somebody who has not yet seen it but it's coming i'm going to to uh discuss it a little further because boy there is a lot to unload in that movie and um as we're talking about spider-man far from home we know that there are deleted scenes that are going to comprise a short film in the home release of the movie because they didn't want to throw those scenes away. They felt like those scenes still had something to add to the story. So they're going to give us a short film with the home release. So I'm looking very forward to that. Last but not least with Spider-Man Far From Home, there has been a rumor circulating and I promise you, I don't know how true it is, but... The rumor was that if Spider-Man Far From Home didn't hit a billion dollars at the worldwide box office, that the existing deal between Marvel and Sony would end and that Sony would retake full control of the character. Uh, As we've just discussed, I believe Spidey Spidey is safe. He's going to uh, reach that $1 billion mark for this particular movie. But then it would make you think, would that be a smart business move for Sony? So you just let me know what you all think. If would, would it be a smart business move for Sony to take Spider-Man back from the MCU to not allow them to use this character? And remember, these movies are distributed by Sony. So Sony is getting a huge chunk of cash by allowing the MCU to to use this character so i just i don't know i think that would be shooting themselves in the foot uh but i'm i still believe we're safe because i believe that spider-man far from home will hit that billion dollars all right moving right along to some stuff that i normally don't discuss there's this show called genlock and i i don't know if i'm saying this night the the total the (laughs) 
I don't believe, I don't know if I'm saying the title of that show just correctly or not. I know that it is attached to uh, Michael B. Jordan as a voice actor in this anime uh, cartoon. So yes, the show is called Genlock, and the synopsis of the show is Earth 2068. City by city, free society is being forcibly absorbed into a vast autocracy. One military force holds the line, and one pilot could turn the tide. And it's going to be voiced by uh, Michael B. Jordan, David Tennant, who is my favorite doctor in the Doctor Who series. Uh, Dakota Fanning's voice is attached to this, and uh, several others. So yeah, there, there are several others. And upon hearing about this particular anime project, I got very interested. I'm excited to see what they do with the show. Yeah, so it's supposed to air on Adult Swim, and I am very interested in seeing what they do with this property. Also, in news that I don't typically cover, there's still conversation going on about a new Mortal Kombat movie with James Wan attached. Um, I'm not the biggest gamer. I'm, I'm sure you guys know that by now. But what the, do you all think? What do you think about the, the possibility of a new adaptation of Mortal Kombat? I, earlier today, was seeking feedback from some people who are gamers and that would be James and Eddie over at From A to Geeks. And they gave me some feedback because I asked them about God of War. God of War being adapted into a movie and what their thoughts uh, what their thoughts were. Whether or not that would have been a good move. And of course, in regular From A to Geeks fashion, we have pretty much two prevailing theories one from eddie and the other one from dr doom and gloom himself who we will be hearing for from again on this episode when we get to the make me a jedi segment but with that uh we have two different chains of thought i guess you could say and i'm going to share with you what eddie said eddie said he believes it's an awesome idea as long as they don't mess it up he thinks that there's a really great opportunity for a trilogy of films that would somewhat follow the games. And he says he would love to see them do all four games as a trilogy, cut out one so that uh, four can be a part of it. Then the first one would be about uh, Kratos, a bit of his life before, before and after taking down Ares. And the second could be about him taking down Olympus and then the fourth so you would see the warrior the god and the father so those are Eddie's thoughts on the god of war then we had Dr. Doom and Gloom and boy can you, we can say this in his voice if I could get my voice to resonate that deeply <laughs> he says that he has yet to see a good video game movie so they'll probably fuck it up. <laughs> now he says Mortal Kombat was an amazing movie, but still terrible. One of those bad, good movies. So yes, uh, I mean, so he feels like they should leave God of War as a game. Because if they fuck up his man, his guy Kratos, he's going to be fucking 
pissed. What do you think? How do you feel? <laughs> because I don't have a dog in this fight. I, I think I can remember. I'm not 100% sure if I did go see the uh, Mortal Kombat movie. It seems like I did. I just don't remember. You know, I would go see it. I don't have any knowledge of what the story is in the game so I don't know what I would be looking for. So to me, it would just be if they if they give it a, a good movie, I'd be great with it. For those who know the lore, even if the movie was good, if it did not follow the continuity of the video game, how would you feel about that? Would you feel cheated? Would you feel like they did not stick to the source material and it takes you out of the experience of the movie. Let me know what you think by sending me an email or, you know, contacting me on one of the social medias, however you want to get in contact with me. Let me know what you think. And I thank Eddie and Dr. Doom and Gloom for their thoughts on that matter because I had no idea. They're saying that, uh, like, yeah, Stephen S. DeKnight would be the director that is... Uh, supposed to be adapting this vi this video game into a movie from what i understand decent director um decent source material hopefully if this is done it is done correctly but of course we will uh keep our our ear to the ground so that we know if this is something that we should be looking out for moving right along moving right along so we got some news lots of news in fact coming out of the disney camp first things first congratulations to will smith aladdin is now the highest grossing movie that will smith has ever starred in it was i believe independence day so it was independence day and that has been replaced by Aladdin and Aladdin has crossed the I believe 800 million dollar mark at the box office it may not I think it's losing steam it may not hit a billion but I don't even think they were expecting 800 million from this movie so that is a freaking win period it's just a win because nobody was looking for that much money and of course, we know we've got a little movie called The Lion King that's going to be coming out uh, on the 19th of July. So they, they lifted the social media embargo. So a lot of critics who were invited to the early screenings are giving you early reactions, but not quite early reviews. So the full review embargo will be lifted tomorrow. And tomorrow is Thursday, June 11th. I'm sorry, July 11th. So Thursday, July 11th, the full review embargo will be lifted because Disney knows that their movie is the shit. Because remember, we just talked about this maybe for the last couple of weeks. We've been harping on it. How when a movie studio doesn't have faith in their movies, they will hold on to that review embargo. They will not lift it to the last second here we are a full week a full week before this movie is even going to be released to audiences and we are getting early reactions 
for the social for social media and we will get full reviews starting tomorrow and some of the early reactions that i have read are that timon pumba and zazu are some of the their favorite characters thus far uh, there are numerous mentions of literal crying from the audience so i plan to attend with a box of kleenex at the ready i am very excited to see what John Favreau has done with this movie. They say that the visuals are stunning. John Favreau makes a point to say that all but one shot of this movie was created with a computer. So I definitely have to see this because they're saying that it is stunning. It is lifelike. They the the characters re look real and that uh seth rogan and uh oh what's his last name i can't remember the character i can't remember the actors that are playing these characters and i did know them just like 15 minutes ago but of course they're gone I, I don't remember anymore but i do know remember i do remember that it was timon pumba and zazu they steal the show there will that we will remember their performances and every time they are on screen we will notice so uh, those are things that i look forward to and seeing the movie i hope you look forward to seeing it as well and then we also we got them uh, uh mulan teaser trailer in the first 24 hours of the mulan trailer of it dropping it got 175 million views you ready including 52 million from from china china absolutely loved it so uh the biggest this is the biggest trailer launch for a live action disney adaptation it was bigger than even the lion king it's the seventh biggest trailer launch for a live action Disney project ever. So yes, uh, it looks dope. And that trailer kind of hit me in the feels. I'm ready. I'm ready to see Mulan. Um, now I was watching John Campia the other day because you know that is my mentor. He doesn't know it. <laughs> but that's my mentor. So John Campia is saying that he has it on good authority that there will be no dragon in Mulan. It will be a phoenix instead of a dragon. So we shall see if his sources are correct. When watching this trailer, did you get Academy Award nomination feels? Did you feel like this is something that Disney is going to offer up as a contender for multiple awards? Because I got that feeling. I got that feeling. This looks like the movie that you would put forward and say, now this is a gem. And then you, you have to imagine that Lion King will be part of the conversation as well. In fact, there are those who are saying that it could possibly be the movie that would be the, uh, the first movie to win the same Oscar twice. So best animation and for the, uh, the lion king in 1994 
and best animation in 2019. We shall see. Only time can tell. Last but not least for the whole Disney thing, we got Holly Bailey. She got folks feeling some type of way. And it's not what she does. She's done nothing but be an excellent actress slash vocalist. But uh, there are those who say, and I know I touched it just a very little bit last week, but there are those who say that an African-American mermaid could not exist. (laughs) And I'm saying... I have never seen a mermaid outside of fictional material. They're saying that no, uh, mermaid, this mermaid especially, is Danish. And I'm saying, can't black people be Danish? I don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't know, but I kind of thought that black people are everywhere. There may be a few places where it ain't one of us, but... You look long enough and you'll find us. We're everywhere, you know. So, um, I'm just, I'm so disappointed in people. Please stop, y'all. Please stop talking about your childhood being ruined because somebody is the wrong color. Now, if you came to me and said, yes, we think we're going to get Daniel Day-Lewis to play Malcolm X. That might be a little bit of a problem because Malcolm X is a real person. So, you know, while you could tell a story, say like uh, the X-Men and use a white character that has the qualities of of Malcolm X, say like Magneto, well, then I'd say, well, yes, I can see that. And I would go to that movie and I wouldn't say you need to make a black person Magneto because you based them on Malcolm X. I would not do that. And I hope. There are no other black people out there being this foolish. And I'm not even saying that it's only white people saying. Ignorance is is all different colors, races, religions, sexes. Uh, It does not discriminate. Stupidity is out there. Ignorance is just, is universal. So if you have a problem with this little black girl voicing a fictional mermaid. You need to get your life. You really need to get your life for real because I'm telling you that there's too many real things to be upset about. Far too many. And this is just not important at all. At all. Yeah, I'm sorry. Rant over. There's some movies. Well, the Joker movie. Let's talk about that because there's some crying going on. So I, I kind of like to get all the things that are like pissing me off. I want to get all that out like kind of early. So the Joker movie. The Joker movie. It's been said by Todd Phillips that the Joker movie is not based on any comic book story. So this movie is not the story of Batman's arch enemy. This movie is about the events that it took to make this man, the Joker, 
even possible. Like I said last week, this movie isn't just for comic book movie fans. It's going to reach out to uh, mature, just plain old mature movie fans. And it's going to draw a diverse audience. It's going to be commercially successful. So everybody that's hoping that this movie fails because it doesn't have Batman. Really. I've heard the story of Batman. And I'm not saying I'm not going to another Batman movie. I'm going to continue to go to Batman movies as long as they make them. I'm either going to like them or I'm not. I'm not I'm not going to let the the absence of Batman tell me that I don't need to see this Joker movie. See, if you remember correctly, uh, we, we felt the same way a lot. I'm one of these people who felt like Venom was not going to work because there was no Spider-Man. And then I looked stupid, you know, even though I didn't particularly like the movie, I didn't hate the movie, but it wasn't, it wasn't $800 million good to me, but I am but one person. That movie outperformed and overperformed and it worked without Spider-Man. You're telling me that Joker is not a more complex character than Venom? I believe Joker needed his own movie. Even though this is not even the Joker from from the world that we know. This is just a series of events that creates this monster. And showing us how society creates villains. Society creates these villains and then are angry at them for being villains. But anyway... It's going to be commercially successful. It's going to be uh, nominated for numerous Academy Awards, whether you like it or not. But I'm telling, I'm saying that uh, they keep retelling the same stories of Batman over and over and over again. And we keep going back to the movies. This is a new story. I think that as a film fan, as a comic book movie fan we kind of owe it to ourselves to see what they've done with this character and that's all I'm going to say I think about the Joker movie Crawl is going to be my weekend movie choice because the early reviews are pretty darn good so far and again I say we've got some early reviews for this movie and it's a B movie and people are saying it's it's not going to be like we keep talking about Academy Awards it's not going to be an Academy Award win, winning film but the reviews are pretty good I'm in there like swimwear uh, the, I did lie to you guys I said this movie was set in California but it's set in Florida and it's set I think after a hurricane and we are expecting here in Houston possibly a tropical storm so hopefully there will be no gigantic alligators coming my way but I do think crawl will be my weekend movie choice and there are so many that are coming out uh, that have could possibly potentially be good movies let me know what you're going to see this weekend or if you're going to see a movie Now, there's been some rumors about a Look Who's Talking reboot. So, who asked for this shit? Nobody. 
Nobody asked for this shit. Nobody wants a Look Who's Talking reboot. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's one or two of you out there who was like, yes, yes, just what I wanted. Fucking talking babies. <laughs> so let me know how you feel about Look Who's Talking coming back to the big screen, possibly. Chris Rock is rebooting Saw. Yeah, Chris Rock is rebooting Saw. It's going to star Samuel L. Jackson. Now, I don't know if in him, in Chris Rock himself, he'll be in there too. And I'm not 100% sure if this is April or if this is a fucking joke, but this movie is apparently in production and I, I honestly don't know what to expect. I think, I don't know if it's supposed to be funny or scary or a little bit of both. I don't know who is going to play Jigsaw. I don't. I don't know, but I do know this. I have had it with these motherfucking reboots of these motherfucking films. Okay, now Netflix is getting up a great big ass movie, a great big fucking movie uh, called Red Notice. It is going to star Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot. It's going straight to Netflix Universal had first rights over it they decided no <laughs> and I think it was a lot of that was because you know Dwayne Johnson is a marketable talent but the last movie that he was the headlining name of even though you got Ryan Reynolds I mean damn but the last movie that he was a, a action movie anyway that he was the headlining name of I believe was Skyscraper might have been skyscraper skyscraper was some hot garbage and i think this is the same director so skyscraper was nothing but a rehashing of like a rehashing of die hard and i have had it with these motherfucking reboots of these motherfucking films okay so <laughs> so moving along HBO Max is on its way. I'm talking about these streaming wars. These streaming wars about to get real. I'm telling you, shit's gonna get real. And this is why Netflix is making these big, bold moves with these big, bold movies like this Red Notice that we just talked about with these big, bold names like Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot. Netflix is taking a whole lot of L's in terms of content because HBO Max is on its way and it's taking friends and it's taking the CW shows away from Netflix. So now, you think about this. This is a fucking onslaught of like biblical proportion. Disney, Universal, Warner. This is absolutely an attack on all fronts. Netflix could very well go down Think about this. This HBO thing is going to have 10,000 hours of content available just to start. Not to mention what they, what else they throw in there. And then you still have these other uh, entities. And I'm saying Netflix because Netflix is getting jumped right now. I'm saying you're going to have all these entities slinked, taking away content 
and whooping your ass at the same time. So they're taking your weapons and beating your ass at the same time. Netflix could be in trouble. It's been a juggernaut for so long. I don't think it's ever felt this much pressure because now their original content is going to be key to their own longevity. They, they cannot sustain off of other people's content because the minute any other studio sees the success or the mistakes that other studios make with their streaming services, they are going to learn from those mistakes and then they're going to come for Netflix. Everybody is coming for you, Netflix. I mean, you, you are fucking John Wick and John Wick too. You are John Wick. So this really deserves another episode of Streaming Wars. I did an episode kind of in the beginning. I don't remember what number of the episode it was, but if you look, you'll see in my episode list, Streaming Wars, where I talked about some of the streaming services that are uh, available and that are coming out and all of that. I'm telling you, everybody is coming for you, Netflix. Netflix. They are coming for your neck. We're going to call you Netflix. <laughs> They're coming for you. Amazon Prime is like, shit, we getting Lord of the Rings. Um, everybody coming for you. I don't know what you're going to do. Then they coming up with good content on Amazon Prime all of a sudden. Uh, I'm not saying all of a sudden like they never did before because there were a lot of things that I like to watch. Nothing that is kind of genre specific, but there are a lot of new specific sci-fi shows that are coming out specifically that have a fantasy element that's coming out specifically that have a comic book feel that are coming out on Amazon Prime. And I'm telling you, shit is just getting real. Netflix, damn, I don't think you was ready, y'all. So yes, it's coming. Yes, it's real. This is like Streamageddon. Streamageddon is coming. So I told you guys I had a whole heck of a lot for you. And... I think I talked about a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> I am not done because we still have to talk about Empire Strikes Back, the Make Me a Jedi segment. And like I promised you, we we will hear again from Dr. Doom and Gloom, uh, James from from Ada Geeks, from 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 Ada Geeks. You see how stupid that is? It just sounds stupid. It really does. I hate myself that I can't just say of. I can't say of from Ada Geeks. Like, just being normal. I have to say from because um, I'm an idiot. But anyway, he sent his questions per usual. I'm going to, in fact, uh, just answer his questions. And we will uh, wrap up this episode with make me a Jedi make me a Jedi so apprentice we have reached arguably the best Star Wars movie of all time I I do rather like it uh, questions answers yada yada 
you know the deal. Act accordingly. Number one, since you made no mention of them in A New Hope, what are your thoughts on the rest of the major characters? We're going to start in the order that Dr. Doom and Gloom listed them in uh, this particular email. He said Han Solo first. Han Solo is a favorite. He is not my favorite character, but he is a favorite character. He has brought a lot of in terms of personality and energy to the movie. He is like the resident skeptic of what what is obviously going on around him. He he does he's skeptical, highly skeptical. He's, yeah, I, I kinda like Han Solo. Uh, Princess Leia is my favorite character thus far and I and I guess because you know the whole childhood thing we talked about that yada yada so uh, she's my favorite character because she again she proves that she is a badass in this movie Chewbacca I like Chewbacca as the sidekick and uh, the the muscle of the group 3PO 3PO is there and R2-D2 are there to sell toys, but they don't make them step outside of what the the realm of the expectation is for those characters, meaning, you know, R2-D2 don't suddenly start, I mean, I'm sorry, C-3PO doesn't just suddenly start doing shit that's outside of the scope of what we've come to expect from C-3PO. He stays the, the kind of cowardly lion of the group and r2d2 is brave and if i could understand what the beeps and stuff meant i would hear him you know basically saying look luke is my dude i'm not letting him go out by you know i could just hear r2d2 speaking in a regular voice and then going on about his little business but again staying within the scope of what we've come to expect from the character r2d2 is as big a hero in these movies as luke is the new addition to this movie lando carissian lando carissian is well first of all he's played by the most debonair african-american actor of that time and that was uh <laughs> that was billy d williams billy d williams he was just you know he was the denzel washington of that era so uh, good on them for recognizing that and making him their choice of this flamboyant character uh i really did like lando uh i like the fact that he was like a con man with a conscience so i like that about him number two did you personally find there to be a good growth in the characters specifically luke skywalker since the last movie i'll say luke skywalker learned just how powerful he was in this movie but i feel i feel like it still was far too much questioning of his abilities now at this point you see you have seen what could happen what could be accomplished when you use the force you are being taught by yoda who is the creme de la creme 
as it comes to Jedi. And you still are doubting. Now, of course, eventually he uh, decided, you know what? I don't even, I can't even sit here and continue to learn the ways of the Jedi. I have to go and save my friends. And that is when he comes face to face with his daddy. So <laughs> at the end of it all, I just, Luke still annoys me. In this movie, he still is annoying, whiny Luke. And I just, I just wanted him to grow up a little. Uh, number three, the pivotal revelation that Darth Vader is indeed Luke's father. How did that scene make you feel and was the acting believable? Now, this is something, of course, I remember from seeing this movie as a child. This is one of the things that stuck with me. In fact, I remember seeing this movie. I might have been eight or nine years old. And let me tell you, that stuck with me. In fact, that was the last thing I remember about this movie. I didn't remember there being any scenes after Darth Vader telling Luke, no, I am your father. So I, I, I didn't remember seeing anything after that. Luke falling down this tunnel, whatever it is. I don't even remember seeing that. That is some shit that was like, when I saw this, uh, the, the, when I watched this movie, I was like, when did they put this in here? So, honestly, that was one of the standout moments of my childhood. I remember that. And did I feel at that time it was believable? Yes. Because I also remember Luke getting his arm cut off. I remembered that. Those things stood out to me. So, as far as me, first watch, seeing this movie, I can remember. I don't know if I was traumatized by that whole thing or what. But I can remember feeling some type of way and I can remember completely shutting down. And the last, the last thing I remember about this movie, I don't remember if I got up and left out of the movie, if I fell asleep or what. I just know that that is the last thing I remember about this movie. That scene brought those memories back. Of course, I'm watching it again. It made me feel nostalgic because... You know, sitting in, you can remember looking over at Big Brother and being like, oh, that's his daddy. Because, of of course, we didn't have any prequels. So, this was the movie. There was nothing that indicated to us that Darth Vader was his daddy. We didn't find that out till the movie ended. Absolutely bonkers, right? <laughs> so, so, yeah. I truly did enjoy I'm guessing I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it enough for that to be one of the memories that I retained from my childhood. So that's number one. And then number two, upon rewatching it, I can remember how I felt watching it the first time. I don't remember anything after it, but I definitely remember everything up to that scene. It's crazy. Uh, number four, what did you think of Yoda's more playful, almost mischievous attitude compared to the cool collected Grandmaster Yoda he was in the prequels. I felt like Yoda knew how to approach Luke. First of all, he was kind of by himself for decades 
and and he realized that the way to reach Luke was not the same way that you could reach Anakin. They're different people. They have different personalities. So my feel was that uh, Yoda approached Luke on Luke's level. Yoda dealt with Anakin on Anakin's level and on at that time we still had uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi so when he also dealt with Obi-Wan Kenobi he dealt with him on his level and you're in a whole different situation at this point you know uh, Yoda has been in exile uh, forever the empire has risen the emperor is in power Darth Vader is the muscle of this whole thing, you know, so he kind of is like in a whole different position before he was trying to avoid this, the empire taking over. But in this situation, the empire has, is, is there. So you're dealing with something, uh, in a whole different manner. You're not, you're, you are at this point on the, you're playing offense because before you were playing defense you're trying to keep it from happening but now you have to make something else you got to make this rebellion happen so now you're on offense and you can you at this point there's shit nothing to lose balls to the fucking wall you know so yeah he came at uh i mean you know when he was dealing with obi-wan kenobi and anakin there was no time for play you're 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 on defense but now, you know, Yoda's like, I can have a little fun with this shit. You know, I got, I only have one Jedi to, to, to train. I don't have, um, 18 little children to train. I got one adult Jedi to get ready and I got to come to him on his level. So I did, uh, I did think that Yoda was, uh, Yoda was a different character, but I, I can honestly make excuses for why. And, you know, again, the trilogy, the original trilogy was, was the only movies that I had as a child. So that was Yoda. Me seeing Yoda all serious in the prequels, that was different, you know, to me. These, these, uh, the original trilogy uh yoda was the only yoda we knew and of course they made this character to sell toys we know that but his personality had to be something that was uh that was attractive to children forgetting that as an adult that this is what we know this character was made for they made it very believable in the prequels to see that he that there was a difference in his personality because they were on a whole different mission at that time. So, I uh, don't know. You let me know what you think about The Empire Strikes Back. Finish reading Dr. Doom and Gloom's letter. Continue your journey, Apprentice, because we would be honored if you would join us. Another quote, however, not the one I want you to guess from. Uh, you would make for a powerful Sith Lord. You will have to decide eventually, Jedi or Sith, but not today. However, when the time comes, choose wisely, Apprentice. We have powerful friends. You will regret this should you choose poorly. 
and we have powerful friends, you will regret this, is the line that he wishes to, for me to tell him who said and from which movie. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't even know. And uh, <laughs> enough chatter. Sincerely, Dr. Doom and Gloom. Now, I don't know who said that. I'm going to look it up right now because I don't know. I don't know who said that. We have powerful friends. You will regret this. I don't know. I'm going to type that in right now. So you're always asking me something, Dr. Doom and Gloom, from a movie that I haven't gotten to yet. Even though you know I've gotten to it already. They don't know I got to it already. So Return of the Jedi is the movie. And Princess Leia said it to Jabba the Hutt. But you got to stop doing that, guy. You, you, you're, you're cheating. I haven't seen Return of the Jedi yet. That's, that's next week's movie. Now, next week, you got to give me something from a movie that I've seen. Wink, wink. Even though I've seen them all at this point. But nobody else needs to know that. It's between me and you. Damn it. Anyway, I truly, truly appreciate Dr. Doom and Gloom for his weekly contribution to the show and I cannot wait to see what he's got for me next week um so just to quickly go over the notes that I did take with the Empire Strikes Back so much about this movie is different than how I remembered it as a child um I had a question that I asked my co-worker Jedi Master Rodney going into this one and I ask why does it seem like the dark side of the force is so much stronger little did I know that this question would be answered in this installment so Lucas has gone on record stating that Star Wars was meant to be a children's movie we talked about that and I kind of got that while watching uh, OG Star Wars now the the Empire Strikes Back was an absolutely epic follow-up but as far as I remembered from the first time I watched it it seemed like the last scene in my memory was Vader saying he was Luke's father and Luke yelling, No! Now, I was a kid, so maybe I fell asleep. I don't know. But I'm heading into Return of the Jedi with anticipation. So long before the internet, uh, I remember Jabba the Hutt and the Ewoks being huge, huge stories on the morning news during their entertainment segments. So... I mean, this was really a big deal. They talked about Jabba the Hutt and the Ewoks so much on the news. And that about sums up what I remember about this movie. So far, keeping in mind that these movies are nearly as old as me, I am enjoying the original trilogy. And I, like I said, I really enjoyed the Attack of the Clones. But And if I had to say... Okay, if I got to put Empire Strikes Back somewhere, I, I think I still would put it behind uh, Rogue One. I still liked Rogue One the best, but uh, Empire Strikes Back was a pretty darn good movie. And it really, really pushed this whole space opera thing a little bit further with uh, with the events of this particular movie. I truly enjoyed it. And is set us up to meet Jabba the Hutt. And again, I know that like in these re remastered or whatever you want to call it, 
uh, versions of Star Wars. Jabba the Hutt was in the original Star Wars movie, I believe. But in reality, that was not Jabba the Hutt. That wasn't him before. That was somebody else. Um, Jabba the Hutt did not appear originally until Return of the Jedi, which is the movie that we will be tackling next week. This week's movie, Empire Strikes Back, I'm going to give it four out of five lightsabers. It is among the best of the Star Wars franchise. And man, I'm halfway done. And so far, so good. I'm liking the movies. I guess you guys can get uh, an indication of that. My enthusiasm about watching them has grown and of course, I kind of let out the bag that I've seen them all now. And I'm telling you, just hang out with me. And week by week, we'll continue to talk about the Star Wars movies and how I felt watching them and answering Dr. Doom and, Do- Doom and Gloom's questions. And uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying this segment. And hopefully somebody is watching along with me and will wouldn't mind sharing their opinions of uh, the movies if you like to do that you can don't go to after the snap at gmail.com and send me an email or you can find me on facebook at after the snap there's also a fan group called the snap survivors you can go to twitter and find me at snap after or you can go to instagram and i would be after the snap 2018 on the gram I am rarely on the ground, but if you send me a message or whatever on any of the the social media platforms, I will respond as quickly as I possibly can. Um, Let's think. Next week, we will, for real, for real, for real, we will jump into some spoilers for Spider-Man Far From Home. I'm going to be two weeks late. A lot of people have already put out their spoiler talk. There's a lot of stuff to touch Some of it was obvious and some of it was kind of clandestine. And we're going to talk about all of it next week. And we're also going to cover whatever news comes out there. And if necessary, we will uh, cover some more. I talk about these movies that I anticipate seeing and finding out what you guys felt. What are you guys watching and all this find out if anybody watched any of the shows that I suggested for them to stream you can support the show financially by looking in the show notes where it says support this show you can go ahead and click right on that that would help Tosh out tremendously there are so many things that I can think of to do to uh, improve the show you could also go to patreon.com just like my patreon supporter Davina L become a patreon supporter one dollar a month up to twenty dollars a month you can support uh, as big or as small as you can but every penny will help the show uh, it would all be put back into making this a better production so please if you have it tip your tip your your podcaster or become a Patreon supporter, or however you can support. And if you can't do anything else, listen to the show on Radio Public. If you would just Radio Public and listen to After the Snap, 
each time you do that, they kick me back just a little tiny bit and that will help. And telling a friend, sharing the show, let somebody know this week. Hey, I listened to this crazy old lady. She talks about (laughs) comic book movies and sci-fi and fantasy stuff. And yep, you should listen to her too. Somebody out there is going to do it. Somebody's going to believe you that I'm worth listening to for, for an hour or so. And that also costs nothing, but helps the show tremendously, tremendously. Especially if you tell them to listen on Radio Public. You see how that works. Yeah, I appreciate each and every one of you for coming back week after week, listening to me wax poetic about this stuff. Thank you so much. And uh, join me again next week. And I ain't even going to tell you what day because I always fuck up. But really, it's uh, things are there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to be coming off of these six-day uh, work weeks really soon and then I might be able to get some regularity back to my life and to my episodes and until then um, we're going to still get them put out but there won't there will be a little sporadic but know that every week you will hear from me and uh, outside of that I've got nothing else thank you so much and I'll catch you on the flip I have had it with these motherfucking films. Oh, no. I have had it with these motherfucking reshoots. No. I have had it with these motherfucking reboots of these motherfucking films.